ABC. We shall resume. We shall resume. If you want to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of 1 Timothy. What we talked about a little bit last Sunday in uh, Sunday school. Hallelujah, we're just going to follow the lead that we have been following. <laughs> and uh, it's wonderful to study the Word of God to understand the truth. That's something we should never take for granted. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter three, verse number sixteen. It's amazing. <laughs> Me and I, I just kind of, <clears throat> you know, just just digging into a little bit of the Hebrew and understanding the Hebrew language. And uh, of course, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. And, and the way that it's written and everything that about the Hebrew and, and how you know there's so much uh, definition to it there's so many things that you can you can get from it and of course everything about the Word of God is it's not a coincidence it's not an accident and there's always a parallel or there's always uh, as we as we come to learn in the past that there's a reason why the Bible says that uh, here little and there little uh, precept upon precept line upon line there's always going to be that witness or verification of truth in every passage of scripture that we that we read and that we study and just like this it's no coincidence we're talking about John uh, uh, 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Timothy 3.16. And, and let, me, let me take you back to, you don't have to go there, but you go back into the Gospel of John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His own begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's kind of funny. Then you read 1 Timothy 3.16 and without controversy, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And I believe that those two passages of scriptures are, are very parallel. They're parallel in the sense that it brings us greater detail of understanding, you know, what Jesus came to do. And even what we're talking about, understanding who Jesus is. Amen. And so we see that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels 
preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So everything that the Apostle Paul is speaking about here and, and the directions or the explanation or the description that he is given through every statement as he's going along here. Of course, he doesn't mention any names, does he? Because he's talking about a person. He's talking about a person. Of course, that if you, if you look at the scripture, you look at that the statement, the sentence, He's talking about the object of, of his, of, of what he's describing, his subject is, is who? Jesus. But what does he refer to him as? God. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest. In the flesh. So it's pretty evident what he's saying here. Of course, understanding who Paul is. He's a Jew. He's a Hebrew. So the only God he knows is the God that he's obviously read about in the Old Testament, in the Torah. So it's the only God. But this time he's approaching it not just with a, uh, how would I say, a, a, a religious or a intellectual understanding. He, he's approaching it with an understanding of revelation. And, and that's how he's, and that's why he's making reference to it as far as great, you know, without, con without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was manifest. He was justified in the spirit. Those two things. Remember what we talked about last week were... <clears throat> we talked about uh, uh, when we go back into what we were speaking about about Jesus' question to the Pharisees of Christ, whose son was he? <laughs> that was a, a, a legitimate question. Whose son was Christ? Because he said, you know, how, how, could, uh, how could the Lord say, you know, when he said, the Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. So he's talking, he's bringing out that statement that David was making. So if, if he be David's son, if, if he be David's son, or if, he da if he be David's Lord, whose son is he? So, so here we're focusing on two things according to that passage of Scripture, and that's all he was trying to, to, to understand, that Jesus Christ, as Paul said, was the son of David according to the flesh. Remember that? He was the son of David according to the flesh, and he was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. So here, now we see uh, the Apostle Paul talking about it in the sense that God was manifest in the flesh, and he was justified in the spirit. Praise God. Two very important words in that passage of Scripture. Of course, we go along and see that he was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. Remember, he hasn't made a name. Or he hasn't mentioned a name. He's just talking about God. Preached unto the Gentiles. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. So obviously, 
he's not using his name, but he's describing everything that he came to do and everything that was fulfilled. Amen. But when you put it together, the obvious person of his uh, discussion is and would be who? Jesus. Everybody awake this morning? Amen. All right. Making sure. Amen. So if you, if you do a little word search, you do a little word search, sometimes there's certain things in the scripture where, and if you have access to a concordance, and you do a little word search, it seems like sometimes some words just seem to kind of jump out at you, and they just, or if something kind of, you're struggling with trying to understand why that word is used there in a particular passage of scripture, you do a little word search just to try to find out the reason why that word is inserted there in that passage of Scripture. I always do that. I always do a word search. I'll, I'll break down a sentence if I have to, to understand, you know, what what the Scripture is speaking about and, and even the context of that Scripture. So I'll do a, a word search. I'll just break everything down. I'll break everything apart and just go down the line and and try to, to understand everything that's written in the scripture. Uh, they call that expository. Expository teaching, in, in other words, you, you know what you're doing? You're, you're, you're breaking everything down. Just like pieces of a puzzle. We can get the whole picture of, of uh, the, the picture of a puzzle when we get it together. Do you ever notice? How many of you like putting together puzzles? You start out with certain pieces and you try to match it up. And a lot of times, you know, and you're always searching, you're always trying to find the, the piece of the puzzle that's going to fit, and you put it together and you go, oh, wow. And, but you have about how many, how many more left? A thousand left? Two thousand left? And you go, oh, man, what a, what a task, what a job. But you're, but, but you're searching and you're putting all those pieces of puzzle together. That's how the word is. You do that search and you put all those pieces of the puzzle together. One piece at a time. It's nice when you finally come to the end of it, isn't it? <laughs> I use those puzzles with great big pieces. <laughs> uh, coming back from Sioux Falls the other day, I, how many of you noticed this? I noticed that the signs, the green signs that tell you, you know, like a certain exit or maybe a certain city that, you know, goes off on the exit, tells you the city how many miles. You notice that the lettering on the signs is getting bigger. <laughs> well, and I thought I noticed that, and I said, why, why are they doing that? Of course, obviously they made it for people like me, <laughs> so I could see it. <laughs> Before it never, you know, small letters. I struggle to read small letters now, so in my, in my aging, I kind of I have to really sometimes break out the old magnifying glass just to be able to see what it's like, you know. But, amen. So, you know, that's just the way it is, to be able to see the thing as it is. And that's why it's important for us. So, let's talk about the word manifest. Manifest. Comes from the Greek word phanero. 
Fanero. Actually, has a long O. O. Fanero. And it means to make known. To make known. It means to show. Also means to appear. Be disclosed. Display. Reveal. <laughs> That's pretty neat, isn't it? God was manifest. So God was made known. God was shown. God appeared. God was disclosed. He was displayed. He was revealed. Manifest. Wow. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty, pretty simple when you think about you know, what Paul's saying here. How could you not understand what he is saying when he's talking about, especially his topic is God. His subject is God. God was manifest. Was manifest. He was made known. To this day, it's, I guess, to me, it's bewildering how people even still have a hard time understanding who Jesus really is. <laughs> and as I said before, never take your understanding, your revelation for granted. Because we know who Jesus is, don't we? So he was, in a sense, when he was manifested, that's what took place. He was made known, he was shown, he appeared, he was disclosed. That's an interesting word to, to describe what happened that, you know, when he was manifest, disclosed. <laughs> Coming to that point where, you know, we, that word is kind of attached to that word closure. To be able to have closure. You know what that means? When you say you have closure. i got to have closure. I, why is it? Because I need to know. People say that. i got to have closure. I need to know. So he was disclosed. He came to a point where in our lives where that understanding about who he is was disclosed. And it gave us closure about knowing who God is. You notice I said is? I didn't say was. Right. Right. <laughs> Amen. Because God always is. And so so you see that that's, that's something that's really uh, beautiful. So And then the Bible says he was manifest in the flesh. In the flesh. God made himself visible.
One thing that people don't understand is this in the, in, in the, in the Bible. Of course, you have the Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, God was invisible. How many have, how many have come to that, that understanding? God was invisible. He talked about himself quite a bit. But he never really that his like his person. His person was never really uh, how how could I say? Uh, he never really talked about his person. When I say his person, I'm talking about bodily. Every reference to himself was obviously connected to who he was and is in the Old Testament. God is a spirit. So every reference that he made was to that that part of him, his divine nature, who who he was, and a, a spirit. But it did, he didn't have a body yet. So every reference was to that point of making, uh, you know, bringing understanding to who he was as far as the spirit is concerned. So he was manifest in the flesh. The visible, the visible became, uh, or the invisible became visible. The invisible became visible. So when we talk about being manifest in the flesh, of course we, 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 we were talking about the incarnation of, of Jesus Christ. Deity became humanity. Spirit became flesh. The invisible became visible. So it's, it's something, isn't it? Something to be able to. You go there and you read there in Colossians chapter 1. Here again, the Apostle Paul using terminology in, in uh, speaking about this, and he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 15, who is the image of the invisible God? Who is the image of the invisible God? Talking about Jesus, the firstborn of every creature. He is the image of the invisible so in the New Testament, he became the image of the invisible. The God you couldn't see in the Old Testament, now you can see him. Because now he has an image. Okay? And then in Hebrews 1, 3, it's, it's, it's almost uh, said along the same line. It says, who being the brightness of his glory... And the express image of his person. Who being the brightness of God's glory. And the express image of his person. Wow. The express image. That word... Express in the Greek. It's really interesting. Because when I, when I was studying this and I was looking at that, 
The express image. Why did he say express image? <laughs> he is the express image of his person. Well, that the, the, the Greek word is the word we get, the word character. <laughs> it's C-H-A-R-A-K-T-E-R, character. Character. Express. Character. Exact representation. Or reproduction. Now, here's something amazing. I'll, 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 I'll kind of go take my time going to this because, you know, this is, this is something I found really interesting, amazing when I, when I was studying this, when he, you know, his character. Does anybody know, when we talk about character, when it says he was his, his express image, he was his, and, and we get that word character. Remember, the God that we worship, he became a human being. But the spirit that dwelt inside that body was and is eternal. Eternal. Whenever the scripture never uses the term eternal son, uses the term begotten son. Because he was born. There was a day that he was going to be born into this world. And so as a result, he is called begotten. Okay, I've said that numerous times, but I want you to understand that. So when we talk about him being born, being begotten, God became a man. Therefore, becoming a man. And the Bible says that he was his express image. The son was God's express image never get confused the son was the flesh the father was the spirit the invisible became visible through the flesh okay but the flesh was his express image remember that express image why is that we get that word character did you realize this why did they use the word character in other words God became, came into the point, into our world, into our economy. He became a human being because character is always uh, built through time and space. So when you talk about God's divine nature, you're talking about something that is eternal. Because his spirit is eternal. We found that out last week, didn't we? He offered himself up without spot to the eternal spirit. His spirit is eternal, but guess what? His body is not. Amen. He at one time was a mortal being. So as a result, guess what? He was given to time and space. So, so obviously because of that, he had to have character. Okay? Because character is a result of time and space. Am I confusing anybody? No. no. I, I, you know what? You know, the reason why I say that, 
What does the Bible say about Jesus when he was a, when he was younger? The boy grew. Didn't it say that? The boy grew in wisdom uh, and stature. So he was given to time. He grew just like a human being in wisdom and stature. He grew even the process of development, human development. He grew from a babe. He grew from uh, you know a toddler, uh, uh, a young man, a twelve-year-old man, a young boy into a man. So he was he was the product of that uh, of time and space. So uh, so what happened during that? process of time and space, his character was being developed. Wow. You know, it's like that with some of, with all of us. There's not one of us that's excluded from it. Our character is a, is a product of time and space. And hopefully we develop a good character. Just like him. He developed a good character. He was tried. Huh? He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was up without sin. He, he was given to the, the, the how, how can I say? He was given to the, 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 the life of time and space, so he had to experience everything that you and I experienced. He was exposed. That's the word I was looking for. How many of you... Here's, a, here's an interesting question. I don't mean to get a trap, but this is this 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 is some. How many of you think like you did a year ago? <laughs> huh? Do you do you feel like you've kind of grown as far as your intellect is concerned? Lessons you've learned from a year ago. That's see when you when you have when you when you've grown from that you've gone past whatever it was. Whatever level of intellect that you had, if you've grown from it, you know what that is? That's character. And Jesus developed that when he was here on earth. Express image. The express image of God. The express image of his person. How long ago was that when there was that bad uh, WWJD? How long ago did that was that? About 20 years. About 20 years. It's been a long time. What would Jesus do? So if you got in a place where you were you were confronted with something and temptation or whatever it was, trial, whatever it was, the question was, what would Jesus do? <laughs> so in other words what would Jesus do that applies to us what would we do what would Jesus do why if we're to if we're trying if we're striving to be like him how would we face this situation this circumstance what would Jesus do WWJD <laughs> why because that's all a part of that's all a part of building your Character. Man, that's something about God. <laughs> His character was built. Kind of amazes me is when we think about it. And everybody always attributes, ah, he was God in the flesh, that's why. Well, huh? let me tell you something. God humbled himself as the Bible says, and became as a servant. 
he humbled himself and he became as a servant. So he was subject. He was subject to everything that you and I are subject to as far as life is concerned. As far as all the, the uh, experiences and circumstances and situations that we go through in life, he was subject to that. He, he went through the same thing. He was, given, he was given that ability to think on his own and to decide on his own. His own, you know, it's amazing because God has a divine will and he, he also had a human will. <laughs> so what his his human will just just decided that I you know I need to do what's right I need to do what's pleasing to God. The Bible says that through suffering he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So he faced certain things, but through that suffering, guess what? He knew what human nature was like. He knew the tendencies of human nature. So he knew the frailties and weakness of human nature. He knew what it was like being tempted. But guess what? He overcame. He learned how to say no. 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 Kids can understand it. The little, little ones, can, they can understand it. My little granddaughter, sometimes I, you know, I, I like to love up on her sometimes, and sometimes grandpa gets a little bit, irritates her, so she goes like this. You know what that means? No. No. So I try to, you know, get around her somehow, but pretty soon she'll stick up her hand like this, and she goes like this, and she pushes me back. No. So we all know that no. When it comes to certain things in our lives, we all know no. We can stop right there. We can, we can hold the devil off. We can keep him at bay. And when we do, you know what happens? Your character is developed. Anyway, so that's what that means. Express, express. Uh, what, and, and the scripture says, <clears throat> "He was God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. Justified in the spirit. The word." Uh, Justified in the Greek is dikeo. Dikeo means justify, vindicate, declare righteous. To put someone in a proper relationship with another. Justify. <laughs> That's something. That could be applied to not just our walk with God, but with our relationship with one another. 
You ever hear the expression? Getting on somebody's good side? <laughs> that, in a sense, is like that. You justified. He was justified. He was justified in the spirit. So you think about that. Justified. Jesus came and he did everything. He did everything. Everything he did was to please God. He was justified. As the scripture says, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet he was without sin. He was justified by not, amen, yielding to sin. By not giving into sin. He was justified through the Spirit. It's, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The firstborn of many brethren. The firstborn of many brethren. Think about that. He was the firstborn of many brethren. He was the firstborn of his kind. So what does that mean? If he was the firstborn of his kind, there were going to be others that were going to, amen, come after him. Think about that. Firstborn amendment, he's justified. Everything he did, justified. The spirit that he was filled with kept him on track. Kept him living a righteous, holy life. Why? Because he chose to humble himself. As a servant, he chose to obey. So as a result, guess what? He was justified. Amen. He was justified. He was righteous. Hallelujah. That is almost like a prototype of what you and I experience as born-again believers. Because he was flesh. But yet he was filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit helped him to overcome all the fleshly Lust and desires and the sin. Man, wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where there's no sin? <laughs> we encounter it every day. We encounter temptation. All them thoughts and everything that just are thrown at us. I mean, we it's heaved upon us every day. Human nature, we face it everywhere we go. It's thrown in your face. And it's up to you and I just to say, hey, I know I'm in this world, but I'm not going to be a part of the world. Huh? I'm going to choose to please God. Why? Because we're going to let the Holy Ghost quicken us. Quicken. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Make me alive. That, you know what that means? And, and, and I believe this is the part that we all probably misunderstand or we don't get acquainted with what it really means, what God, the power of God that we have within us. Quicken thou me according to thy word. In other words, God, help me to be able to live because quicken means to be alive. According to thy word, live according to your word. Let your word be quickened in me. 
What does the Bible say about the word? It's quick and powerful. Alive and active. So when we are quickened, we're made alive, we're made alive in God. That's how we're justified. That's how we can overcome, just like Paul was teaching in Galatians, amen, chapter 5. That's how we can overcome all the characteristics of the flesh, all the sins of the flesh. If we yield to the Spirit, the Bible says we're not going to come under the judgment of any of these. That's justification. And, and sometimes we don't comprehend that. We don't comprehend that. What, what is about, how, how many of you can, can truly say this when he says, to walk in newness of life? Ooh, what life? <laughs> what life is he talking about? A holy life, a righteous life. How can you do that? By being filled with the Spirit. Yielding to the Spirit. Because that's justification. You notice how the last definition I gave, to put one, to put someone in proper relationship with the other. So in other words, guess what? That relationship is going to be developed. You're going to put someone proper relationship. How is that? You know why it is people struggle? is because they don't let the Holy Ghost. They're not full of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost doesn't have them. Because we say that, oh, I've got the Holy Ghost. Well, my question to you, does the Holy Ghost have you? Paul said that in, in 1 Corinthians 12. He said that, amen, that no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. So no man can say, it's not just what we say, oh, I believe Jesus is, no, no. No man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. In other words, if the Holy Ghost has control of your life, then he is Lord. But if he doesn't, he's not your Lord. Amen. That's all that's. Amen. That's what you call justification. Oh, hallelujah. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. Uh, in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about that. And uh, in chapter 6, and, and he says that uh, in verse number 9, Knowing not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers, of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, and such were some of you. You used to be. You used to be. That's what you used to be. Such were some of you. Were past tense. Doesn't say are. Were. Past tense. Used to be. But such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
So that's what happens when we yield. When we yield. That's what takes place. So because of that, our relationship is put in place with God. And so because it's put in place with God, then <clears throat> it's we're justified. Here, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> we can never stand in judgment even on our own or in our own righteousness. You know why? Because our flesh, there's no good in our flesh. Right. So just because there's no good in our flesh, there's no way we can be justified. But in order for us to be justified, what we have to do is we have to walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the life of sin and death. So we're justified by the Spirit. So because we walk in the Spirit, because we yield in, to the Spirit, we're justified. We're able to live that life that God has called us to live. What really amazes me is the world we live in. I can remember back in the old days when our big thing was when we got a TV and, and we would get up every morning, Saturday morning, sit down after we took care of you know, whatever business we needed to take care of, we were allowed to sit down in front of a TV and, and guess what we watched? We watched cartoons. How many of you remember that? Saturday morning cartoons. I mean, there was a whole slew of them. It started pretty early and it went all the way up up and past, maybe sometimes even past noon. So we'd sit there and, and everything about cartoons was this superheroes. And you, you wanted to be like one of the superheroes. I want to be like Space Ghost. Huh? Superman, whoever was on there. It took our mind to that place where we wanted to be like them. We wanted to have superpowers. We wanted to have power, huh? So it took your mind to that place. Oh, man, I just, just think what I could do if I had that kind of power. <laughs> when we were young, we were introduced to it. So right away, our, they, they're, they're brainwashing us to believe that, hey, you, if to be able to attain that kind of power, you've got to go beyond. Mm -hmm. Supernatural. Mm -hmm. Supernatural. Supernatural. I always remember, of course, we, we didn't eat the same kind of cereal every time we woke up. But Grandpa Joe, one of his big things was kicks. <laughs> and so I'd sit there and eat kicks, but you know what I'd do? I'd shave bananas and I'd put it inside my kicks, sit there and eat them, watch them cartoons. Amazed at it. Wow, this is pretty neat. This world, this this world, and you know what? That that was a virtual world. It wasn't reality. It just brainwashed you to believe that, hey, you know, there are such such things as supernatural powers. So that's the kind of world that you and I are connected with, and that's what's been that's that's I guarantee you, hopefully not anybody in here. But I guarantee you the whole world is influenced by that kind of thought. Right. Yeah. By that kind of 
if I want to say it, virtual reality. So even today, they make movies with superheroes. People that can do stuff that no ordinary human being can do. You know why? Because they long to be like that. That's the world they want to go in. Like, oh man, I could do so much. But guess what? We have the Holy Ghost. We're superhuman beings. And you know what? We can defeat evil. (laughs) Through the power of the Holy Ghost. That's reality there. It's not fiction. We can overcome the devil. We can overcome this world. We can overcome sin. We can, yeah. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That's what you call justification. So that's amazing. To me, that's, that is amazing. You take a look at that. and My, 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 my. <clears throat> so in a sense, when you think about this, go with me to John 17 in the Bible. John 17. My, I tell you what. Where did get going? This is beautiful. Look what it says there. We'll back up just a little bit, just to put everything into context. Verse number one. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Listen to his words. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. That's the whole reason why the invisible became visible. That's why God was manifest in the flesh. That's why he was justified in the spirit. Did all this. So that we could have eternal life. That we can experience eternal life. We're, why is it in our minds that we don't realize and understand that just the little portion of the Holy Ghost that you and I receive and that we walk in and that we experience whenever the Lord refills us or baptizes us again in the Holy Ghost? Did you realize this? You're recipients of eternal life. Amen. God gives you that life, that new life. It's not like this life. This life is, we're mortal beings. But when he gives us that new life, that's just a little, it's like he's injecting us, inoculating us with a little, you know, dose of eternal life. So we feel revived, man. We can, eternal life. That they might 
Know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. <coughs> so having that understanding, having that revelation of knowing who God is, did you realize this? That's eternal life that is imparted to us. The only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Here, here, here's something about, when you study the, the, the Greek, and I'm by, by no means, I'm not a Greek, uh, uh, a specialist in Greek. I, I, I study it, and I understand certain things about it, but when you, when you talk about Greek words, and when he talks about uh, that they might know thee, the only true God, and that word for Kai, is, uh, the word for and is the Greek word Kai. Well, Kai can be used two ways, and and even. So if you chose to use it the other way, he would say uh, that they might know thee, the only true God, even Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. So either way, to know the true God is obviously knowing Jesus Christ, and it's obviously having eternal life. Because they're all, amen, connected. They're all linked together. Amen. But it really brings emphasis on the role, that significant role of what God, what Jesus came to do when he manifested himself in flesh. Remember what I said at the beginning. The invisible became visible. So to know the true God, you know, to know the true God is to have eternal life. To know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So they're, they're both connected together in that sense. Guess what? Deity and humanity. Huh? Well, you go, you go we're going to have to hurry. You go into Matthew eleven twenty seven, and it says this, And all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son. No man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. So you see that? You see what Jesus is saying? No man knows the Son. He's talking about the Son of God. No man knows the Son, but the Father. The only one that understands and knows about the Son, the flesh, is the Father. All right? Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. So in other words, no one, no one knows who the, the Father but the Son. So they have, this, they have this relationship, they have this revelation, they have the understanding. So, so let me put it to you in simple terms. You cannot know the invisible without the visible showing you the invisible. Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. And you cannot know the visible without the invisible showing you the visible. <laughs> Some of you are probably scratching your heads and saying, what's he saying right here? But that's what Jesus said. You cannot know the Father. The only one that knows the Son is the Father. And the only one that knows the Father is the Son. And you can't know, know either of them unless the Son reveals it to you. So, my, 
The flesh revealing the spirit and the spirit revealing the flesh. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty understandable. Uh, man, I'm going to have to hurry. I'm going to have to hurry. So, so you, you, go, you go into 1 John chapter 5. Let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. So, so here we see here. So remember we talked about the invisible and the visible. <laughs> so you, and to understand, you know, when you put it in the perspective of how the apostles understood and what they experienced, okay, you read here in 1 John chapter 5. Did I give you a chapter? 1 John chapter 5. It says, verse number 5, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth, that Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the flesh of God. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. So we understand that Jesus became flesh. That's what he said. He that overcometh, <clears throat> you're going to overcome because you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You believe, you believe that Jesus came in the flesh. He is the Son of God. He came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. So the Spirit is bearing witness that He came by water and by blood. The Spirit bears witness that he became a human being. Amen. How do you know that? Well, <laughs> look, at, look, at what, look what Jesus used to say. Or he said, the Spirit that is in me, he is the one that beareth witness. In other words, the Spirit was, in other words, given an indication to everybody that was there listening to Jesus speak. The Spirit was letting them know that, hey, there's something about this person, this man. There's something about him because there is a spirit that is buried, that is in him, that is bearing witness to who he is. Now you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what he's saying? So he says that, he says, now look what he says, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now, a lot of people look at me and they say, oh, wow. But here's the thing. Remember, remember God in the beginning was God. And in the beginning was the word, was the thought or plan. So you can obviously look at this and say that, that there are three, that there are three that bear record in heaven. The, the father, the word, the thought, the plan, and the Spirit and these three are one. Okay? Not talking about three different personalities. It's talking about God's plan. Amen. Bore witness. Confirmation. What He set out to do. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit and the water 
and the blood, and these three agreements. In other words, amen, it became a reality when Jesus was born into the world. It's amazing because there are people who would deny the deity of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hmm? Amen. You don't think so? There are people. But why would John say this? Uh, look what it says in, in, in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. So when you confess that Jesus Christ did come in the flesh, he came. God became a man, in other words. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in, is in the world. So they don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. That's why, that's why John said this in 1 John chapter 5, that there are three that bear witness. In the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. In other words, he became a reality. He became flesh. The invisible became visible. Does that make sense? <clears throat> Thank you very much. We're out of time. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you back here in a little while. Yes.